Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Happy spring, everyone. Well, kind of. Is it? Is it? <laughs> I, I think mean, for us, we just, we, I mean, it's always sunny here, so I guess. I think, I mean, usually it's always sunny here, but like, I don't know. I feel the cold. I know everyone from the Midwest and the East Coast is shaking their head at me right now because right, right. anything below 65, I think, is cold. <laughs> but you know, we're right in around spring break time. Easter this year is late. So spring break is late. Some school districts, I mean, I feel like it's all over the place now. I have some, we have some school districts that are doing spring break early or late, but this is always our reminder to check in. If you're have any concerns and you want to have an IEP meeting or you want to get any assessments done, like this is your like timeline. You have only a certain amount of time before the school year is up. So it's your reminder, check in with your school. If you want assessments, get them done now. Otherwise you're gonna have to wait till the fall. I mean, it's a slippery slope. I feel like we're chicken little saying the sky is falling, but it creeps up on us, right? Yeah, especially after spring break. So we are here to remind you of that. And we had started our eligibility series last month. It's what we told you guys a couple of weeks ago. It's it's going to keep going. Like we're, you know, being mindful of not saturating you guys too much with all the eligibility categories at once. So we've had guests here and there. And today we have a special guest that we're really excited to talk about because it's, she's definitely like our people cut from the same cloth. <laughs> Melissa Brady, thank you so much for coming onto our podcast. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate being here. So, Melissa, you saw a need for children to be exposed and for children to see themselves in characters, you know, that are children's book, right? It's particularly children with disabilities, unique learning needs. What kind of gave you that idea? Yeah, sure thing. So I think it's so important, as you mentioned, that books serve as mirrors, right? So I am a teacher in New Jersey. And while I was studying in college, I had a research project that I was able to do my senior year. And in New Jersey, if we are going to teach older than fifth grade, we need to have a content area we're certified in. And I became certified in English because I love reading. I love books. That's always been a happy place for me. So I had a research project. I was sitting in the library when I was in college. This is back in 2014. And I was looking, I kept writing literature and, and I was trying to think of what could I research? What could I really do for this project something I care about? And then I put research and at the time I just wrote disabilities. And the first article that came up was basically saying that there is really none or the books that are written about different ability levels and unique learning needs are stereotyping. So right away, that gave me all the ammunition I needed. And I was like, I need to research this. And you know, I had professors say to me, we're just letting you know, you're not gonna have (laughs) as many resources, right? As other people, because you're the first article that you found said there's a lack. And I was like, well, 
have to figure this out. That's the point, right? Is like, that was your thesis. Is that right? A hundred percent. Yeah. I thought it was so important at the time to make yeah. sure, you know, I really researched this and I'm so happy we have come such a long way from team, yeah. but there's still a lot of work that we need to do. Yeah. Well, it's even interesting that they kind of, in a way where when they're warning you, it's almost part of the problem, right? It's almost discouraging you from doing it when it's like, we can't have change and we can't bring this to the front of people's attention if we don't write about it, if we don't talk about it. Definitely. You have to take, you know, I didn't think it was a risk, but really you have to take a sort of risk in saying, well, I have to make sure that this is something that's being addressed. And I'm so happy I did that because as an educator, I went into education knowing that I have to do an extra search for these books. Yeah. When I did the research project, you know, there was all the actual research. And then I remember I showed it to my advisor and she said, this is amazing. And, you know, I came up with an evaluative criteria that we should use when we're thinking about books that address different learning needs, different abilities. Of course, they have to have an absence of disability bias or any stereotype. Mm-hmm. They really need to highlight the strength of every single person in the book. But while we're doing that, we shouldn't portray the, for example, neurodiverse person as subhuman or superhuman, just right. presenting whoever this character is in regards to all their peers. And then making sure that illustrations are a huge part of that as well. Because sometimes you'll have authors, they'll have a character in the background, you know, a physically impaired character. And they're like, yeah, I address, they put that under the ability section of the library. But really that's not the focus topic of the book. So that led me when I made this criteria, my professor is like, well, why don't you write a book that meets that criteria? And I was like, mm. <laughs> I was like uh, how am I going to do that? Yeah. yeah, I'm very much an analytical person as opposed to a creative person. So the research part of it, I loved. Right. And when they said that, I was like, okay. So I really had to think on it. And in order to best you know, meet this criteria, I called my book Sometimes. And it focuses on a neurodiverse female character. And she talks about how she sometimes feels different ways throughout her day. And my favorite thing is when I read it to children, they're like, I feel that way sometimes too. Yeah. It was in the language too, right? Well, yeah, sometimes I feel like that sometimes, you know, like that. I love that. And I feel like sometimes teachers, it's like the weight of the world is on their shoulders. Right. And it seemed like a really natural step for you. You saw that there was a need, right? And even though it was a little bit outside of your comfort zone, you felt it was important to try and kind of break into it, right? So that there was just even one book, (laughs) one children's book, right? that has this main character that any child can relate to. That was the brilliance behind it, is that it's very easy for a child to say, hey, you know what? Sometimes I feel like that too. And it just kind of normalizes everything, right? Yeah. Sure. And with social emotional learning, it's so important just to talk about feelings in general. Yeah. That, and also like, for kids especially to see 
a diverse group of people. So I think there has been a big uptake in the last few years of children's book that have come out that have had a lot more diversity, but it started out so much of like, these were the background characters or like you mentioned, it was just visual in the pictures and it wasn't really as diverse as we should see. But two, like I've heard a lot, I've heard some criticism of like some of these books as, well, we shouldn't just be like, I don't want to say advertising, but we shouldn't just showcase like these are people of different abilities and like that's all the book is about. Like we also need to be having books where the focus isn't on their disability or their learning challenges, that that's the character, that's part of the character, but the book is about something else because we don't have enough of those books where it's a book about, you know, a sci-fi book or a romance book or a book about, um, for instance, for kids brushing their teeth or potty learning. It's something like, it's not just focusing on their disability, right? It's we need to be looking at both sides. Yeah, definitely. Which is so important. And I think that, you know, kids are really open when you first introduce a topic to them and explaining within my book, they don't even know that the main character's name is Samantha, that she is neurodiverse until the end. And she just mm. said, yeah, this is my day. This is all part of my life. You know, I am autistic as well. And then she just says, you know, but I'm really happy that I'm able to share my life with my family and my friends. And I think, you know, there's so many times that books can be used as a starting point of a conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really hope this serves as for people like, of course, I also think it's really important to have inclusive texts available because I know as an educator firsthand, I thought during reading units, I want to have a book, you know, that features this topic or address this topic with the students. And it's really hard, especially about different ability levels to sometimes Mm -hmm. find a book that's well-written. So I'm like, I want to put this out there. And now I'm also trying to upload some resources on teachers pay teachers as well just to help people out and parents as well you know people who do homeschooling allow for these conversations to happen and provide resources that kids are able to connect with one another yeah so i had a question about see if you found this in your research and i mean i know it was a few years ago so i'm not sure how much you have but when we're looking at a lot of these, these diverse books that like we've been talking about, uh, most of them are focused on like early readers. They're younger kiddos, which of course we can use for older kiddos too. But when we look at the books that adolescents are reading, whether it's for fun or required reading, what have you found like portrayal of disabilities in those books? And is there starting to become a trend of more of those? Because I I would say that's the group that we really need to be showing diversity, right? And understanding. For sure, definitely. And I teach secondary students right now myself. So I know the struggle that sometimes parents and educators face. But I will say that, you know, a lot of people will reference books like To Kill a Mockingbird and A Mice and Men. They have characters of different ability levels in them, but that's not necessarily the conversation Mm -hmm. within the 
off. Right. And it's not, you know, those are older texts as well. So right away, they are not always as relevant to our students, but there are becoming a lot more graphic novels, which is amazing. And something like El Defo by C.C. Bell is an amazing graphic novel. And then we have other books that are written as firsthand accounts by people who are going through specific events. One of the earliest books that I saw that I always enjoyed was Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, which um, focuses on a neurodiverse character. And that was actually brought to Broadway as well. Mm -hmm. It was Mm -hmm. an amazing play. So we are starting to see more. I will definitely say I've done some professional development with teachers at the New Jersey Teachers Convention. And we made a list all together of all the books, just as a resource for us. Like, Mm -hmm. let's talk about all the inclusive text that we can use as a jumping point. And a lot of the text that we talked about were picture books. Mm-hmm. So just what you're right. saying, that there is a more coming up, which is amazing, but we still have a long way to go. And I think I've hosted a lot of writing workshops too. We want people who have had different experiences in their life, whether they're dealing with an impairment or with something cognitively, really sharing their experience. Because I feel like that's a lot of what young adults connect with. Yeah. Yes. You know, I feel like when children have that visual, right? And like, again, it's normalized. It just helps start those conversations. Because like you said, when you present a new topic, like kids are just naturally curious. And so to be able to have a visual to help, right, and start these conversations is wonderful. And you even mentioning that, you know, just as a resource, like, let's just have a Google sheet where we have like certain books, because they do exist, but you don't know what you don't know. And you may not have any idea that there is a Broadway musical that was a book which I actually read in college many moons ago and found it wonderful it's it was so well written and it was just it really opened my eyes to how you get inside the head right of the main character which is like the thing all the kids are saying like oh you're being such a main character right um but (laughs) I think that being able to provide that information to teachers. And I think you also have a, what is it called? Teachers for Teachers? Teachers for Teachers, yeah. Thank you, yeah. So that you can provide resources, right? For special education teachers. For sure, yeah. I put resources up there that I am made for secondary level. And then my book is, of course, for more of the elementary level. So I try to upload some, you know, worksheets there that teachers can use. I'm saying worksheets, but they're really conversation starters and reflections that are helping students to better understand, you know, how they're feeling, how their peers are feeling. And just really my whole goal, I think, with trying to advocate for more inclusive libraries is just for empathy too, you know, like we don't understand each other. Sometimes we have a hard time doing that. So Mm -hmm. using any text to teach empathy is so important. Oh, absolutely. And I think when you go from just accepting, right, we're just accepting kiddos with different needs and learning challenges You want to go to understanding and really trying to get to the core of 
they're just human. You know, it's just like having brown hair versus red hair, right? It's a trait. It does not define them completely. But, you know, humans love to label things. And I think that that's what people really get caught up on. And being able to kind of like, again, I've said this before, normalize (laughs) just different people to little kids. I mean, they're like, they, we just had Peggy Schaefer on a few weeks ago. And, you know, kids teach us a lot. We just don't always let them, right? And I think that this is a wonderful opportunity for you to be able to share with teachers that may want to do this, but then just don't know how to get started. Where can they find your book, Melissa? Sure. They can find it on Amazon if they search sometimes by Melissa Brady Petrillo. It will come right up and they can contact me on Instagram as well with any questions at Melissa Brady Petrillo. I'd be more than happy to share any resources. I think it's so important. You know, I always say to people, inclusion is equity. And we need to make more inclusive libraries and just the world needs to become and the community more inclusive to everyone. Do you have any plans for any new books or are you, is your focus, you know, actually using this book? I know you've presented, you mentioned at the New Jersey Teachers Convention. Is that kind of where you're at, where you want to kind of spread that news? Obviously, that's why we wanted to have you on, right? But what's next for you? So I think, you know, what was really amazing is as I made this book and shared it, I've become yep part of an advocate community. I feel like I always advocate within schools, right? Because that's my daily job, but it's been really amazing to work in the community as an advocate. I've worked with some different religious organizations and talk about making their services more inclusive, right? Like how we can make them a little bit more sensory friendly. And Mm. I've gone to libraries and we've talked about including sensory crafts after readings, just so that way everyone has an opportunity to really reflect on how they're feeling. And I think it's funny. I don't know where this journey will take me right now. As you mentioned, I'm really trying to push forward inclusive libraries and inclusive texts. And then I am sharing this story, but something that so many kids have told me anytime I host a story time at local libraries and, you know, just an extra thing, make sure you support those local libraries because they do so much. And sometimes I feel like they don't get as much attention as they should, but uh, Yeah. yeah, like amazing programs. But I, all the kids say, I want to read a story about Samantha going to the grocery store, or I want to read a story about Samantha getting a job. And in the world of education, we often use social stories so much and even transitioning young adults into work, you Mm -hmm. know, like we call them social stories, but there's more at meetings. We pretty much have social stories talking about if this happens, what should you do? Right. So that's something that I might explore, making some social stories regarding what Samantha does. And she's been established as a character, kind of helping other people learn what's appropriate to do in a certain setting and how you can advocate for yourself if you're in a setting and you're unsure of what to do. Wonderful. Well, as you go through, if you write another book, you let us know. We <laughs> love to hear 
updates. And I think this is such an important thing. And it's a very tangible, like your book is very tangible for our listeners to go out and purchase. It's an easy thing that they can do. So we'll link all the information in our show notes and we'll send all of your information out to our listeners. And we just thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate all the work you do as well. It's awesome. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. Melissa, have a great rest of your day. And listeners, we hope you have a great rest of your day, evening, afternoon. I don't know when you're listening to this, but we hope that it's a good one. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.